Episode 84. Welcome to the Launch Sequence Podcast. Mic check one, two. We've got... <laughs> oh, are we live? Uh, we've got uh, Montoya with us today. Hey! Doing a, doing a mic check. <laughs> Impromptu well, mic check. Thank you for telling me this time. Last time, I was. I have to apologize for the last time we did this because I was eating breakfast and never told me we were live. And I'm busy shoveling food into my mouth. And I so much better this time. I don't know what episode that it was. Go back to like June, July time and see if see see him eating his dinner, his breakfast. I don't know why I'm trying to sabotage my good image. You know, <laughs> good reputation here. No, people know that you're you're staying healthy, <laughs> keeping up with your nutrition. That's pretty good stuff. <laughs> but anyways, welcome folks to episode 84 of the Launch Sequence Podcast. I've got Montoya in here, obviously a return guest, and uh, coming to talk about some interesting stuff. This is the first episode of a new year. 2023 is upon us it 2022 was insane uh but honestly that seems like a trend at this point uh, ever since really 2020 uh depending on who you are it's just been nonsense for the last few years but we're happy to see another year come in happy to see another year of star citizen development upon us last year was another record-breaking year and another how year... has another year passed that's insane happy new year by the way <laughs> happy new year man yeah it's um we just kind of slept through it for the most part, huh. just on, on autopilot at this point. I think the older you get, the faster time moves, some kind of time dilation effect. We got to look into this. Yeah, that makes sense because I started yeah. making dad jokes before I turned 30 and that's when everyone told me they should oh, that happen. Yeah, I'd be very concerned. When I started getting gray hairs, I just found that uh, days went faster. I think I've the got one. You get. I think I've got a gray hair somewhere in here somewhere. I've got a red hair too. All kinds I'd of color. Be concerned. <laughs> oh no, that's the Irish in me. It's that that makes sense. What? Yeah. Gotta, okay, we, we'll save that story for later. Yeah, that'll be that. a, that's another podcast. That's yeah. next time when he's eating dinner. <laughs> Anyways, today we're talking about some big topics with Star Citizen. Uh, I think it's a great way to start the year off. We discussed the features that are here, PES, salvage, inventory stuff, all that jazz. Um, but instead, I wanted to take a step back and look at some of the bigger ticket items, things like theaters of war, server meshing, the quantum economy, of course, Squadron 42, and some more. Uh, wanted to give some context as to where those came from, how long they've been in development, why, and what we expect from them coming forward, uh, and get just kind of a bird's eye view of the project going into 2023. So jumping right into it. Uh, this kind of conversation always kind of starts with the tools. And we were actually just talking about this before we started the podcast. There's this idea that a lot of the work being done for Star Citizen over, say, the last six years or so is going to allow them to start making faster content, make more of it, make it more efficiently. Do you think this has been a good approach for Star Citizen in the short and long term or just the long term? Do you think it's kind of made people annoyed in the short term or do you think it's not working at all? Uh, yes. Okay. Next question. <laughs> so th yes, this is frustrating. I mean, I'm, I think we all understand. And, um, the Montreal office is a prime example of this. that, uh, the office came online because they're going to make all the planets and we don't know. I mean, we know they're doing stuff, but as transparent as CIG is with a the development, there's so many things which they say, we don't want to give away too much because surprise factor, whatever. But trust us, we are working on many, many things. And so I believe it. I mean, I believe they are working on many things. 
Uh, and I do believe that they do want to save a lot of stuff as a surprise. And I know it's frustrating. I've, I've gone through phases where I just have to know everything in the game. But I'll be honest, and let me know how you feel about this too, is that the closer we get to a release, I mean, we, it's close now, right? We can almost taste it. Five years away <laughs> at this point. Um, I'm okay with knowing less because I want things to be a surprise when the game does come out. I want to be surprised by the lava planet, which we totally know uh, doesn't exist, but it does really. And there's things that the Montreal office, the tools that, for example, the rivers, we know they're working on the rivers too, um, which they showed us the tool. We go, we click here, we click there, and bam, you have a river. And we know they can easily make that uh, a lava river just as easily. So the tools are there. We know it's happening. Uh, and it's just a matter of, how much they want to show us. And that's endlessly frustrating. Who, uh, some, maybe someone in chat correct me of this. Was it Abraham Lincoln uh, on this topic? He said, not a topic of Star Citizen, but a topic of creating tools. Um, he said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. I think that quote is attributed to Lincoln. Hmm. Someone correct me. It's a good one, but you're asking me about actual history. Yet, you know, can't, can't help you there. Let me sharpen this axe for four hours to make the task of chopping down the tree much faster. Right. And the problem starts, not if it's a problem, but uh, I mean, it's also the game engine itself with the Lumberyard. The tools they need to make this faster and more efficient. Abraham Lincoln got the Kickstarter. <laughs> Thank you, One Prime. Thank you, Chad. How are you doing, Chad, by the way? Nice to see you there. Uh, that's essentially it. You know, it might take them a long time to make the tools in, and we know it's taken them a long time to prepare these tools in Lumberyard. But uh, once the tools are made, it will make things faster and so uh, an ongoing criticism is you know it's taken them 10 years to make one star system so therefore the next star system will take 10 years oh too. my gosh right? that one blows my mind like why would it take another 10 years to make another one but we know that's not true but the question is okay pyro's coming out this q1 can we say q1 next year hopefully dude i'm not saying anything anymore <laughs> yeah let's just not say anything but uh after pyro decade, you know nicks spider Kellogg. Like, when will we see the next couple of systems? I guess the better question is how long will it take them to make the next couple of systems? Like we know they can procedurally generate uh, a system very easily, but they'll need some handcrafting and some other things on it. But <clears throat> I think it's just a, it's a question of, I, I believe they have the tools. I think it's the right strategy. It's just frustrating for us to sit and wait for it and not see it. Mm -hmm. So I guess the real thing is how much they want to show us yeah, and how much do we want to see. Well, do you do you feel like do you feel like the reality is that those those tools are working? I don't believe. Like, do, you have I mean, any, the, do you have any examples? You've met with CIG devs, so have I, and I think they're very I have talented not actually. individuals. I've never met any. You haven't? No. Oh, okay. Well, we've got to get you to uh, the next SizenCon. Yeah, <laughs> I plan on going. But the SizenCon in Texas. Uh, I forget who the dev was. He was working on something on the server related and we're just hanging around. This is after all the events and we're drinking. And um, he started talking just about server stuff. It's way over my head. And he knew his, I can't swear, he knew his stuff. And to hear him speak about it so passionately, like he's explaining what he's working on and how this is going to help the servers in the future and how it's going to make certain things happen. Um, they definitely know what they're talking about. They definitely have the right talent there, and they're, they're paying a good amount of money to have this talent there. Um, so I have no doubt that it's there. It's just a question of how much they want to show us. 
mm-hmm. and the answer is that they're not showing us they're choosing not to show us a lot yeah because they want enough of it to be a surprise yeah i think they did a good job of showing it with the rivers i think that was a pretty solid example of of mm-hmm. how they try to develop these things to save some time in the future it, there's no question about it. I mean, I think they definitely know what the plan is. Just the, the frustrating part about open development is how open are you going to be? I mean, that's a different topic. But they, they don't want to show too much because they want some of a surprise factor, and I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine if we came into the game having seen, you know, the next 10 star systems already, knowing what's going to be there, knowing what they look like. Where's the fun in the discovery then? You know, the first time you go through a, a jump point, a gate, and you end up in this new system, but you've already seen it somewhere, so you know what to expect. Uh, it kind of takes away a bit of that uh, excitement, in my opinion. So I don't yeah. blame them for wanting to keep it under wrap. Yeah, yeah, they have completely stopped talking about Nix. They started to bring up Nix sometimes in ISC. I think it was like a year, a year and a half ago. But mm-hmm. they stopped, I think, once they realized they're like, okay, let's 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 get Pyro out of the way first. Let's stop ruining the surprise. Yeah, it's part of the dichotomy, you know. There's um. In Elite Dangerous, when you're jumping to an unknown system, like you don't know what's coming up. There's going to be a blue giant, there's going to be a red giant, there's going to be a binary star system, will it be a trinary star system? You don't know. You're jumping into a new system and it's a, a surprise. Uh, I think that's important. I think that surprise factor is going to be important in the game. So yeah. I both want to know everything, but I also I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. So on to, let's talk about the obvious, the obvious one here, uh, server meshing. In terms of mm. big initiatives that have taken years and years and uh, take a lot of, I mean, server meshing is probably the, the top, most important topic in Star Citizen, um, but it goes back. A lot, of, a lot of people have only started to learn about it recently, but when is the first time you heard about server meshing? Sit down by the fire, children. <laughs> Let me tell you the day <laughs> that I heard about server meshing there was but a young man that it's been since the beginning i don't know it's been forever yeah uh, they've obviously had their issues uh, i think uh, problems like the, the speed of light are a limitation on what they're trying to do <laughs> and so i won't pretend to know the ins and outs and the finer aspects of it uh, it's over my head as far as the technology needed all i know is it's extremely difficult and what they're explaining and what we hear chris roberts talking about how you know the servers will mesh and everything will work together um, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, I do think they have to pull a rabbit out the hat in this one, but if they feel it's possible and they have the, uh, the talent on staff to do it, um, taking a long time is actually in, working in their favor because look how great the, uh, the processes and CPUs and GPUs are looking these days. So, uh, it's definitely going to make things easier the longer they wait. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think they've yeah, been, uh, very consistent since they kind of introduced it to us with their journey with the things that they introduce uh, to make it happen. I mean, going back all the way to object container streaming, they were already talking about these are the things we have to do to make server meshing a reality. Uh, do you think mm. they followed a good path from there? You know, I, I like to have an opinion in all the stuff. And when I do speak to someone at CIG that knows more than I do, I realize how much I don't know on the topic. And so I, uh, restrain myself from speaking too much on topics I don't know enough about. And the server meshing is just something which I feel I understand well enough, but uh, I, I really 
it's a frustrating part. Okay. The frustrating part for me on the server meshing issue is that when I log in and those of you belong to a large org, even smaller orgs, you know, there's 10, 20 guys in your organization and you want to jump into the game and the server's full and now you can't join your friends. Um, server meshing is essential in that part of you jumping into this game with all your friends. And the frustration I've had from, you know, being in Test Squadron, which is a fairly large organization, is I jump in and I see, you know, 50, 60 people on. I go, oh, I'm going to join you. I go, server full. <laughs> go, well, guess I'm not playing with my friends now, you know. And so you have to kick someone from a server. Or everyone has to log out and log back in to get a fresh server. Uh, I hate that. I hate that this happens. But again, you know, how far are we away from it actually coming in? Yeah. Um, you know, it's way out there. A year out? I don't know. What was the, uh, what was the old server cap limit? Because before we went it was from 50, 50 to 80. Before um, 50, what was it? Wasn't it like 25 or something? I haven't seen 25. No? Chat, what was it? 50? Back in like the 2.6 kind of days when we were just yeah. around yeah, uh, it's Crusader. 50. Was it always 50? Okay. I mean, 50 was rough. But even now with, um, what am I seeing? 120? What is the yeah, normal I've service? Yeah, i like now? 110, 115. Even at 120, I'm jumping in. I'm like, oh, my friends are here. And I, I know, click join. And they go, nope, server full. I'm like, well, here we go. Yeah, and you didn't, you didn't have to go through the PTU phase of that when we were in queues of mm. like 6 million seconds to get, to get in. So, yeah, I mean, I think they should definitely give content creators um, priority <laughs> in joining service. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, he's joking, people. Yeah. Don't. Uh... No, I'm being serious about this, all right? <laughs> Look, I am a valued content creator here. Stop it. <laughs> God, somebody's going to take you seriously. And I, don't, I don't need that kind of Everyone attention should. here. Um, so uh, that was actually, you brought up a good point there with your org trying to join in. Uh, one of the topics that we talked about before we got started, and one of, I think, the, the ones you'd probably have the most to say about are organization tools. And going hmm. back to the roadmap from, I think it was either 20, I think it was 20... 2018, maybe. So after the 2016 kerfuffle, the 2017 not-so-great predictions, 2018, I think, was when they laid out like a realistic idea of we need persistence, we need, we need uh, I forgot what else there was, like better wallets, we need, like, we need all this different stuff, and then server meshing, and we're done. And then you could see them ticking all those things off the list. One of those items in there, though, was organization tools. And we never got them. Yeah. So I don't know what happened to that. And they weren't very clear on what the organization tools were either. I mean, I can kind of guess where they want to go with it. For whatever reason, that's all gone on the back burner. But, um, I think most of us basically are on Discord and I don't know, a couple of orgs maybe on Gilded um, to fill the gap on things they need to make things run efficiently. Mm hmm uh one of the more important things is getting everyone together when you run an organization or any group people doesn't matter how big or small uh it's it's hurting cats right you want to get everyone into an op you go listen 10 a.m everyone meet this location let's be there and just getting everyone there and one guy overslept and another guy's busy doing laundry you know like how do you remind people there's an event happening how do you know when they're available can you reach uh is one of the biggest um requirements i have i have a large org how do i reach everyone in my organization i mean i can ping people on discord but not everyone is on discord all the time and there's a fair amount of people don't even want to be on discord because they go well i'm on spectrum um so there's a whole list of things 
I wish to have for org tools that, uh, you know, actually, I believe there was a point where we gave a whole wish list at one point. We submitted a wish list of what we wanted. And, uh, you know, there's been radio silence on that. So I'm not holding my breath for it. I mean, I, I believe it will come one day. Uh, I can only imagine if they really want to stay on the ball is to have a, uh, a Spectrum app on your phone that uh, you can basically message individual members, you know, send the ping and chat on your phone uh, and use your phone to do certain things like that too, which would be awesome. But um, It's yeah, all supposed to thing. center around Spectrum, right? I mean, they yeah, introduced Spectrum. Is Spectrum. Be, exactly. Uh, so... Well, they yeah, introduced it back in like 2015 and the whole premise, I think it was 2015 or 2016, and the whole premise was that it was your center for Star Citizen organization and you would have it on your computer you'd be able to access it in game on the, on the website. And obviously complications and development changed, but do you think, I mean, how much do you think that's hurting the game now that we can't say access spectrum in game? Uh, I, I think we've, we've learned how to work without it. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, all of us have discord running in the background anyway, so it's not essential to our current gameplay, but it's definitely going to be more important as the game progresses. And as we start uh, being more involved, as an organization uh, defending territory. Uh, I don't want to see this go the, the way of EVE Online where you get a, a ping at 4 a.m. going, get out of bed, we need you to come protect uh, <laughs> this asteroid belt or something. Oh boy. Uh, there are some people who would like that. You know, I don't want that. But uh, there's definitely people who do want that level of um, control uh, within an organization. And so I think Spectrum can work for what they want. Um, a mobile app for Spectrum will do very well integrated both into the game and into your phone or your watch or into your eyeball, depending where technology is at the time. Uh, but yeah, definitely on the back burner. I don't think it's critical yeah. to, there's just more important things they're working on right now. And we've just learned how to use Discord and other apps uh, for our needs in the meantime. And I wonder if that's, that's going to be a problem for them. You know, if everybody gets used to speaking on Discord, to coordinating on Discord, to setting up calendars on Gilded or to... Uh even going all the way to the website to do things like send a friend request to people. Uh, well, I mean, you could it, do it in game, but if people are getting used to that, yeah. are they going to have a problem with adoption in the future when they do want Spectrum? Because they know we, they want Spectrum to be this sort of central communication Will platform. Spectrum be able to handle the traffic of voice comms and everything we need also is another question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a lot of uh, people will want redundancy building because what if uh, there's problems with Spectrum voice or chat and it's delayed or it's lagged of servers? Uh, you know, should we just stay on Discord anyway because that's proven and works fine? So I, I think that is also putting in, I guess, a pause because they're trying to say, how important is live chat, voice chat in Spectrum if everyone's using Discord already? You know? And, and there's, a, there's something to be said about having the ability to integrate it into your game. You know, if you're in a voice channel on, in the game and you're talking to people, uh, should you also be able to speak to people on spectrum on their phone because that wouldn't you can't necessarily put discord literally into the game in star mm. citizen like you could for for spectrum they have complete control over it so yeah there are pros and cons to both i don't know what direction they're going to go i always expected them to have their own complete uh solution but like you said the scale the reliability the redundancy it's it's going to be a lot what do you what do you think they'll well, do? There, there, there's some very basic things I think we need, which can be done very easily. For example, org hangers. Okay, uh, we have simple, simply gigantic. It's not simple at all. We have very complicated, gigantic 
all uh, amount of ships in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let's say we have, you know, 50, 60 Idrises, and I only want people at a certain rank in my org to have access to these ships. Uh, how do I make sure that everyone at the rank of captain or higher has access to these hangars uh, or even certain areas on your ship? You know, let's say there's a, a new member of your org is in, and, but you don't want to give them access to engineering. These are all org tools. You should be able to specify person at this rank can access these red areas or these blue areas only accessible to certain individuals. Uh, it gets complicated very quickly. Um, you know, comms, I think voice comms being a very essential one, tiered voice yep. comms. Yeah. When it comes to big battles, you don't want uh, the guys down the line screaming about everything. You want to have the commanders only. Uh, so where's the, the commanders chat? Is there a commander voice chat? Is, I mean, Discord doesn't even do that. That's another issue. Will Spectrum deal with that? That's very complicated. And I, I can see, I mean, I can understand why they haven't pursued it, but um, things like giving certain members access to certain ships or certain areas on ships is like a very basic function I think an org needs. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it gets very complicated very fast. And I don't blame them for kind of putting it in the back burner because more important is to get a game out at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's always what it comes back to. And it, it really, that's part of their learning process that they've gone through is that they've told us all these things. You know, you hear it all the time. They've promised all these things. There's so many features, how they were going to do it. And they are mm-hmm. learning the hard way now that like, you, you should not. You just shouldn't put all of the details out so quickly. It helps generate hype. It helps get people excited. But then it gives you this huge laundry list of things that might be possible and might not as the game grows. And the backers, the players, are kind of just left wondering what's going to happen with this. I do yeah, think look, that they'll have a solution. But The path of least resistance for CIG at this point is just do what they're doing now and leave the org tools like much later yeah. once the game is out. Because honestly, even as uh, the head of a large org, I don't even know the tools I will need because I'm not playing the game, the full game right now. When the sure. full game comes out, I'll have a clearer picture of what I need. So I've already given them a wish list like years ago. I gave a big wish list. But how much stuff in that wish list is viable? How much of it is important? Well, I mean, I guess I'd need the following things, but I don't know. There are a couple basics I think we could use. Like at the very least, a separate list of people who are in the org that, you know, don't just include our friends. So that when you do join an org, even if you're you're a newcomer to the game, you log in five hours, you've never seen anything in this game, you don't know how to do anything, go anywhere, meet anyone. It would be nice to have a group of people that you already know are on a list that you can at least hop into their server and be like, hey, I'm new to your org, can I play? I think that would be very useful right now. Yeah, so this is, endlessly frustrating for me um we get new people who join test and they all, all all the orgs have had a, a huge influx the guys i've spoken to run other orgs ago there's yep. been a massive amount of new players coming to the game the past couple of months so the free fly helped a lot but also look star citizen's looking great yeah um it's definitely getting a lot of great coverage and there's tons of new players coming in and the first thing a player does is goes hi i'm new how do i join you guys and we say oh like see the people in chat you know just add them to your friends and join them because i i've tried that but the server's full they can't join you. Yeah. And so if the very, very first thing you're trying to do when you join a game is join up with your new friends and you cannot do that, that's so frustrating. Yeah. So and that ties you access to, to and Spectrum. Tools. Yeah. yeah. Like you would think Spectrum might be the game because you get complete easy access to that, uh, but they need to make it much easier to join your Oregon game. That, that's, that's probably the biggest one in my opinion is that. Yeah, definitely. 
you can't. It's the the onboarding is so essential. I mean, a good onboarding experience changes everything. Mm-hmm. If it's smooth and easy, then they'll have it. But if it's difficult, like add this to your person to your friends list, then right click their name. And if a server's full, you know, wait for us to do a server hop because we'll exit. Like, no, nah, I mean, they're too complicated. Yeah. It's supposed to be click, jump in, have fun. That's it. But yeah. uh, we're not there yet. So that's a that's that's kind of a, a bummer that org tools haven't moved that far. But like I said, on that roadmap, they were before persistence on there. As somebody who is at the head of the largest organization, Star Citizen, it doesn't bother you too much that that uh they're now going out of order with that and org tools seem like they're in the distance somewhere. You're not too bothered. One thing I've learned over the years is patience. <laughs> And look, there's a thousand things you need and I need and everyone needs. And the the thing is that we might not understand why they're not doing certain things uh, because we just, I don't work at CIG. I don't know what they're doing day to day. But uh, when you do get an opportunity to speak to a CIG or you visit the offices, you know, it it becomes clearer that they have the reasons for certain things. I mean, not everything they do is going to be the right move. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I believe when we do sit down with whoever finally and we get this stuff out the way, I'll explain why. It'll make sense then. So it's frustrating. But at the same time, you know, I think we just learned to live with it at this point and uh, make do with what we have. Yeah. Okay. Well, then on to the next topic. This is a fun one. This is a crowd favorite. Theaters of War. What? What's that? (laughs) This is a cool game I saw. It's supposed to compete with Battlefield. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really, really fun. Is this a new game? Is it on Steam? It had a huge crowdfunding campaign <laughs> and everything. It was cool. And No, where, where, is, where is Theaters of War, Montoya? What is Theaters of War? <laughs> Why is Theaters of War? <laughs> I think, well, is it possible they just drop it? I Can they do that? I don't think so. so. I think, All right, so well, I've go got, ahead. Uh, you go ahead. I've got, I've got my ideas on it, but I want to hear what you have to say. Um, the, I like the idea, but I have some concerns. Like even if theater, of, they come out tomorrow and go, theater's a voice, yeah, here you go, go for it. <clears throat> I think people will love it. I think people will play it a lot. And I think people will get bored of it fairly quickly. And the reason I say that is because I'm just looking at um, a game I jumped back into recently called Fallout 76. And Fallout 76 had a mode in it called Nuclear Winter. Now, there's Fallout 76, the game, and then there was a separate kind of entity called Nuclear Winter, which was PvP-focused. And the PvP crowd loved it, and they'd go and they'd play this game. But the problem was there was no um, continuity between... Fallout 76, the game, and Nuclear Winter, the PvP-focused part of it. Right. Uh, whatever pr- progress you made in Nuclear Winter, in PvP, you get a skin for a gun, you get a hat, maybe. And then when you went back into the normal game, there was nothing really indicating that you had done a thousand hours in the PvP part, because nothing carried over. And uh, Bethesda, I don't know, recently, I think maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, they removed the nuclear winter PVP part of it, they just shut it down. And the reason was that it wasn't getting enough people playing. Of all huge amount of players playing Fallout 76, a fraction were playing 
the hardcore PvP part. Right. Now, the PvPers loved it. Uh, the PvPers couldn't get enough of it. But the PvPers, the pure PvP players, made up a, such a small fraction of the total community that it wasn't worth their while to invest the resources, fix the bugs, and develop that part of the game going forward. Um, let's take another example of a space game, Elite Dangerous. Now, Elite Dangerous had, um, oh, what was it called? Not Arena Commander. Was it called Arena? Did I do play Elite not. Dangerous? I only ever played it in the actual CQC. universe. It was called, I think it was called CQC, Close Quarter Combat, where basically you spawn in to this area of space on your ship with four other players or five other players, and I don't remember how many, and it's just pure PvP. Uh, fast pace, you jump in, it's like they, they do team matching, you match up in the lobby, and off you go. You fight each other, it was great. Uh, I thought it was awesome at the time. And slowly, slowly, you know, I'd come in, I'd log in, and matchmaking took longer, and eventually you just couldn't find other people to play with because eventually people just disconnected. Again, it was a completely separate part outside of Elite Dangerous. So I'm not saying this will happen to Star Citizen, but just from those two games, and I'm just using games I know, uh, Fallout 76 and Elite Dangerous both tried this pure PvP part, which was great, and eventually died off because people just dropped off and there wasn't any continuity uh, and progression from the PvP part to the main game. So what... I'm not saying Theaters of War is going to be cancelled, but at some point, CIG is going to say, how much money is this taking? How long is this taking to create this? And what kind of longevity will this have? Will people keep on playing it? And for that, I'm skeptical. I think the PvPers will love it. Theaters of War will be great for some, you know, instant PvP action. But uh, is it worth their while in the long run to do it? I don't have the answer, but from the games I mentioned there, it didn't work for them. That's a great anecdote, to be honest, because I hadn't really thought about it from the angle of, is it worth the support? You know, I think, I think it's a solid idea, and I think it could really help the game. But the resources it could take to maintain it do seem high. So here's the thing. Why have a separate PvP part if you can have the PvP part in events in the game? So Siege of Arson, uh, Jump Town, I mean, very PvP-centric. Do you need to have a separate game mode or should you focus on making Siege better or making Jump Town better? Uh, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think just because based on what I've seen in these other two games I've played, focus on the actual game and make something PvP-focused in that game as opposed to a separate entity uh, might be the better solution long-term. Yeah, well, I also hadn't thought about that. Uh, we are seeing that in chat, too. People are suggesting that this is the best way to move forward with it would be to better integrate it into the live events. It, I do worry a bit that the live events, because Theaters of War is as the name suggests, very combat-focused. Um, and I would be worried, just from what we've seen so far, dynamic events are very combat-focused too. And I know that's because they haven't had the tools necessarily to, to really expand on them. But shifting theaters of war development into the dynamic events would be a little bit... I, I would hope that they would still balance uh, equally with other parts of gameplay besides combat. Yeah, I, I think Arena, when Arena Commander came out, we were all in there, right? Here's mm -hmm. some PvE, you want PvP, click it, you're in, that's great. Uh, how many of you guys in chat right now spend a lot of time in Arena Commander? I mean, I jump in when I want to test a new ship out, but that's it. I, I never bother. And so I don't know if um, Theaters of War will go the same way, but 
Uh, I think it's a great idea. I love the idea of just jumping in and go, hey guys, let's go shoot each other in theaters of war. Come in, it's quick, it's easy. You don't have to spawn in your hab. You know, uh, jump into a, an elevator, then take a train, then go to a terminal, then call your ship, then fly yeah, out of atmosphere. Yeah. Bam, you're in. So I like that. But um, just from the two games I mentioned, it, it worked for a while and then it just died. And they spent all the time and resources making something which is not used. And I think that's the risk. Now, one of the main differences being that in Star Citizen, you don't want to die. Like in, in I don't know how Fallout 76 is, but in, say, what was the other game? What was the other? Elite uh, Dangerous. Elite, oh, okay. There's no, no repercussions. You, don't I mean, die, you die, you respawn, it's not bad. It's not, it's not as bad. Uh, definitely yeah. just don't fly without revi. But in Elite Dangerous and in Fallout 76, from what I can tell, death is not as bad. So in Star Citizen, part of the original idea of the modules was that they would be video games inside the video mm. game. You could drop into Good a sim pod and do like a quick right. death match while you're in quantum travel on your ship. Right. Do you think that would be enough to keep them populated or do you think it would still kind of lose interest over time? Uh, good question. Um, I, I'd like to think, well, you know, if you, even you go to Jump Town or you're doing Siege and you have a friend who's got a, a Carrick and you can respawn there, that fixes that. I mean, I, I personally, I hate the fact uh, when you die that it takes so long to get back into the game, which is a good argument for uh, theaters of war type gameplay. But uh, again, I think the resources they need to make it work um, are probably best spent elsewhere at this point in time. But uh, I, I can't say whether it's a good idea or not. I mean, I like to think it will be, but uh, I think it'll face the same death that fallout 76 nuclear winter had and uh cqc arena in elite dangerous had eventually that, that everyone loves it in the beginning and eventually it just kind of dies off and you spend thousands of hours to develop something which is hardly used mm. uh, majority of the people playing star citizen are not pvpers even though the pvpers will get most of the attention and all the cool videos you see are mostly people doing pvp I don't have the exact stats, but I'm willing to say at least 85, 90% of the people backing Star Citizen are not in the game for PvP. They're in the game for other reasons. Uh, so how much attention are you going to give PvP? It's a good question. It's actually a, a good statistic I'd like to know. How many people are interested in PvP? How many people are actively seeking it out? And maybe that's something we'll, we'll throw into our, our org questionnaire. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we'll hear anything about Theaters of War in 2023? Cancellation, continued development, something about the Arena Commander team working on it? So you saying it's going to be canceled? You heard it here first. Face the march of saying Theaters of War is canceled in 2023. Let me just go tweet this out. Hang on. <laughs> it has uh, been confirmed right here. I don't. What's the last thing we heard about that? I haven't. Did I miss some um, news about Theaters of War? I don't. Basically, I, gosh, the team that was working on it at Fire Sprite. So Fire Sprite was bought by Sony. Um, and right. then about eight months later, I want to say, the team who was at Fire Sprite working on Theaters of War, some of them moved to CIG and continued to work on the Arena Commander team, which mm. I think was having work on the Theaters of War stuff. And some of them con continued with Fire Sprite and went over to the, uh, I guess, Sony projects. And that's the last of it. Yeah, that's, I, that's the last I remember. I, um, Astro has some interesting expand theories. Arena Commander, and just expand the current events, Siege and Arison, Expand that. I don't know if it's worth their while and the efforts and money right now to get Theaters of War out. 
maybe they'll just leave it on the back burner until the whole people forget about it. <laughs> we'll see. The back burner, the the wonderful back burner. Yeah, the back burner is getting pretty full, but you love uh, to see it. The back burner has too many yeah. pots on it. It needs. We need multiple back burners now. But again, I I think it's a great feature. I know I would enjoy it, but big picture, I'm not hopeful it has longevity. I think it's a great thing to distract everyone for you know six six months, nine months, a year maybe. Mm-hmm. But then after a year of playing theaters of war, you know where is it then? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I the way I'm thinking about those modules is definitely different now. I have always thought of them as being a great place for them to, this is what they told us, right? That they would be a good place to test the combat of the game and all that kind of stuff. And, and the, the further we get, the more I'm like, you know what? Do it in alpha. Just keep testing that. Bacardi, PTU. Yeah. That's why we test stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move mm-hmm. on to probably my most interesting and most salty topic of the day. The economy. Why are you salty in the economy? Oh, gosh. Um, well, okay. So the quantum economy, it's like the last major pillar of the game. In my opinion, there are, we have all the different like, uh, professions that we don't really know about, but the, the, the actual pillars, the base building, death mechanics, right. server meshing, reputation, actual ship combat, all these things get pretty regular updates, whether it's citizen con an ISC, a star citizen live, somebody comes on and talks about it, but the economy is void of communication. And I feel like it's, it's, it's getting very loud how quiet they've been on it because for as long as the economy is bad, trading is bad. And if trading is bad, basically nothing is fun. You know, there's no value. There's nothing for pirates to go after for actual trade. There's nothing for miners to look for because it has actual value. There's no crafting. There's no trade routes being hauled. Security has nothing to escort. Like we're at a standstill. Hmm. So that's my rant. Good point. I mean, this kind of ties into the previous comment about how many people are into PvP. So let's say, you know, 80%, 85% of the people playing this game are into the mining or the exploration, not in yet, or the salvage or the trading, which majority are. Um, What are they doing? Is there enough to keep them engaged? The answer is no. Um, What is the last thing we heard about quanta and all that? Uh, Base Uh, building is a huge one. Uh, I definitely see once we get our own bases in once you can build your habs or have a hab on a planet i know i'll log in a lot more if i have my little hab sitting on some moon somewhere with my little ship and just to log in and fly around and collect food or whatever you need to do yeah. um is a wonderful reason to log in every day for me personally but uh yeah not much about that uh, i guess it's just more important things happening well i mean we and, know we know in base building that they're developing the tool for it right the rastar tool it's making work they they show us a couple of interface things they talk to us about it um the last thing we heard about quantum the the simulation is that the refueling rearming and repairing prices are being affected by the quantum simulation Right. There's not really too much to go off of with that. It's hard for us to detect any of that since those things aren't commodities anyways. But that's the last we heard. And that was, I think, in, in June. Happened in 317. So there's a lot to figure out in this topic. And I know they said most of the economy is going to be NPCs. Um, so how will your actions affect prices of commodities? And uh, we have yet to see how that works out. Now, this model has worked very, very well in EVE Online where the players control the economy. 
So if you are mining a certain material and that material is needed for the building of ships and there's a big war happening in some sector and people need the material to uh, replace ships which have been lost, that becomes a very profitable trade route. And that makes a game loop for traders and miners and creates a whole bunch of, you know, as a trickle-down effect of what to happen just because there's a battle happening in one area. Um, Elite Dangerous also has certain trade routes that if you go from point A to point B, there's a certain item which is needed along that route more than other routes, which encourages people to go to that route. But once a certain amount of that item has been traded, the price comes down, which right. makes you force you to find a different trade route. Uh, that is sorely missing. That is a major part of this game, which is not in yet. And when that does come in, uh, you know, we'll, we'll create so much more activity in the game itself. Because once you have people trading, you have people coming to blow them up. Once people are going to blow them up, there's people coming to defend them. Uh, it just creates more and more game loops on top of that. Yeah, so that's yeah. important. Frustrating not in, but uh, I mean, Tony Z definitely seems like he has a good plan. <laughs> the question is, when do we start seeing more of that? You know, hope right. no, maybe. Well, we they when he the last time Tony Z talked, uh, that was before this past update. This was actually two summers ago, so that would be summer of 2021. Tony Z talked, and he said that they were going to get some quantum stuff into the game towards the end of that year. That didn't happen, but we did see it happen later in 317. Um, mm. The next thing we were expecting to see after that was Bounty Hunter V2 which is supposed to use virtual AI. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of in the mid-tier future, something that we'd probably see next year. I think that'll be the first time we, we see it really shown off in-game. But at what point do we... I mean, it's that'll be three years since they kind of started to introduce the main It can't come soon it. enough. I mean, yeah. those of us looking for a reason to log in... Um, Making money, I guess, is one of the most basic things. And uh, if there is, what was the last event that was where electronics were, uh, what was the event with the fireworks? It was get transport the fireworks or the electronics. There was some trade route which was making a oh, crazy amount of money. Nine Tails? No, that wasn't Nine Tails. Was it Nine Tails? I that think was during so. IAE, I believe. Just yeah, so I mean, prices. I jumped in. I go, okay, what ship can I take to hold the most cargo? Like, I don't you do cargo hauling, but I grabbed as much as I could. You know, to go make that run, uh, but as I was doing it, it stopped working. So, so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely an incentive. Uh, and uh, if they do want more activity, people playing, then the sooner they get that in, the better. But, uh, again, frustrating. Not in yet. Do you think they've been consistent with the way that they've kind of told us we're going to not really have too much of an effect on the economy, but we're going to be a part of it? I'm not sure they know exactly how much. I mean, I want to have an effect on the economy. I want to know that if I cut off access to a star system somewhere through a jump point, that it's going to cause, you know, a decline in certain materials which are needed for something else, causes the price to go up. I mean, this kind of fun uh, game loop with actual repercussions in the universe is, gives you a reason to do things. But if it's, as I said, that's going to be mostly NPCs and your effects will be minimal, well, you know, We'll leave it up to them to figure it out. I think there's, there's a balance. They can choose how they want this to work. Um, I mean, Tony Z has explained it well enough. But uh, again, I think we're in good hands when it comes to that. And we have to just wait and see. I hope it's not another John Pritchett situation, which no, nothing against John Pritchett. Do you, do you know who that was? The John, 
Pritchett situation. You'll have to elaborate on that. That was so John Pritchett was originally the developer who was working on the flight model uh, and the hover. Hover oh model. yes the, yeah. the actual physicist and he had some amazing <laughs> ideas some incredible designs some great yeah, stuff yeah. that was going into the game he explained it incredibly it all made sense and then when it come down to it cig was like this is gonna be too complicated we can't like this is gonna be too hard to continue to do with the way this game works and mm -hmm. they really yeah. had to kind of start over and i <laughs> would be so that was a simple case of, like, I, I remember he goes here's the calculations for the thrust vectoring on this thruster right here on a planet whose gravity is 1.2 uh, meters per second, you know, and like he really went so far in depth. And then someone else said, well, why don't you just make, you know, we're talking on, on like the Dragonfly or the Nox, just make an invisible big rubbery wheel. We'll give you the same kind of traction instead of a thousand calculations. I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was a case of basically someone saying, here's the science behind it not working as well as what the game engine could do. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember, was it the, the Cutlass Black or the Cutlass used to have the engines which move and the engines just go all over the place all the time. Like they need, like, you know, here's yeah, a, yeah. we need five Newtons of thrust in this direction right now and the engine just swirl around and come back automatically. It made sense scientifically, but it looked terrible. And uh, I guess that's the trap they fell into with that is that, uh, you know, here are the calculations to make every thruster work in every direction every millisecond but just didn't look good so yeah that was a i don't say it was a waste of money i think they learned a lot but uh, yeah and i hope they learned enough to not let that happen with quantum again they'll have to has to come back they have to try it out you know i think it's in theory what works but then in practice will it work um will we people be satisfied with having npcs decide the prices of everything or will it be more entertaining for different orgs to say, we are controlling this asteroid belt. And by controlling this resource, it's going to make the prices of this or that go up or down. Um, I think that's a more interesting take. But, you know, up to them. They game at the end and uh, we'll see what they decide. Yeah, I don't think they'll ever go fully player controlled. But it'll be interesting to see how much they, they let it take an effect. Mm. Um, overall, I do hope we see something soon. Like you said, they need to test it. And I really really hope that's i think the biggest thing for me in 2023 is i want to see them do something about the quantum simulation because it's it's really starting to like i said the the silence is deafening and they so I, what are you looking forward to the most on their announcement or the implementation of it i just want to see some of it in the game whether that's oh. the virtual ai actually able to so the idea behind the virtual ai is that an AI out there will be able to have a profile, basically, with its likes, its dislikes. It will be able to run missions, do crime, and overall be tracked by players using in-game services. So if you, okay, so you want to see more of the actual uh, AI NPCs going about their daily... They don't even need to have the NPCs. I don't need to see anything. As long as we yeah. are receiving missions based on these people, as long as we are getting... Um, pinged based on activity levels that are actually changing based on what's happening in the game. You know, if, if there's right. jump town, let's say jump town is running and that increases the combat level of that area. I think I would like to see an increased amount of derelicts in the area. That's a sign that quantum can actually fill in the gaps between our gameplay and give us more context to what's happening. Right. Right. So basically logging in and getting different things happening every day of, 
more or less importance depending on in events in the game yeah. or what players have been doing in the game. We've seen it on the roadmap a couple of times. They, they showed up on the roadmap for last year. It was environmental missions. These were supposed to be missions mm -hmm. driven by probability volumes. They got removed. I would love to see at least, at the very least, something in ISC about that, you know? Well, I would write an angry letter to Chris Roberts. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not a letter. It's got to be a YouTube comment. Or, or tweet. <laughs> or maybe yeah, a tweet, possibly a, a Spectrum reply. It can never be just a... There was somebody in my, in my chat uh, on, on stream the other day, and they were going on and on about how the game wasn't getting anywhere, things weren't happening, this is a bad thing, you know? Um, and I asked them, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you saying that in the chat? Why aren't you just enjoying something else you enjoy? And their first reasoning was that they wanted to warn people, to protect people, to, to help people understand that they're getting duped and they need to stop buying ships. And I'm like, dude, it, that's doing that in a well, YouTube comment is not the best way to get your job done. Go make well, a video. Well, that's an interesting topic. It ties into what you're saying here. I mean, you want to see this quantum economy. You want to see it come in. Everyone's got their own... Uh, desire their own needs of what they want to see and how important it is to them. Um, like for me, like the org tools are something that's much more important to me than the quantum economy. And uh, you'll find people come in with very interesting uh, demands of what they think is the most important thing. You know, they go, well, I want to see um, the toilets flush. Fishing. I mean, how can I play this game if the toilet is not flashing? It's not real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm using an extreme example, but I mean, everyone has the thing they feel is most important. And uh, it's interesting hearing all the different, I mean, I, I don't, uh, I mean, I hear some ridiculous things too. <laughs> I have bought this particular ship and uh, there's nothing for me to do with the ship. Therefore, this game sucks. Go well, fly a different ship, maybe do something else. Nope. Like I came for exploration and there's no exploration. Uh, everyone's being duped, you know? I mean, everyone has their thing. Yeah. And there are, there are good points to be made. I'm just, I'm just sitting there flabbergasted at the idea that people think the best way to make a, a dent in it is to go on like a, a stream. That's just, that's just venting. But eventually he did, I pointed that out and he was like, I just want to see people angry. I was like, okay, well now, now you've actually said it. Well, that's how the internet works, right? Yeah. Like, Anyways, what can I say to so this person the most? <laughs> right. Sorry for that, for that little, that, that tangent. Uh, but why don't we move no, on? No, let it out, man. Just let it all out. And actually, before we do move on, I just want to make clear, because we were saying this, it is the quantum economy, the quantum simulation. I'm, I've, I've had my rants and my videos, and I try not to do it too much. But uh, there is this, this the, the uh, quanta is the name of the AI who are running in the simulation. Quantum is the name of the simulation. Well, quanta is, I guess, the plural. But they're, CIG is so bad at naming things. And this, this has become such a confusing thing in the community. Why it, do you hate CIG so much? <laughs> they, they took my ships. They didn't give me exploration. They scammed me. I want my refund. I think there's a subreddit you can visit. <laughs> but, Let's uh, go right now. That is a, that's a, gosh, what is it? A, a pet peeve of mine. One of the small, it's a small one. Like, I don't actually mind that much, mm. but... Why couldn't they have just picked a different name? We got quantum fuel, quantum economy, quantum travel. Gonna have like quantum guns soon. Oh Anyways. yeah, quantum weapons. I'm into that. Don't even, don't even, don't get quantum them started. Quantum ammo. 
The ammo is both in no, your no, gun no. and in your target at the same time. The ammo yes. will be called Quanta. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, your, your bullet may or may not hit its target. You don't know until you fire the gun. Oh, Makes gosh. perfect sense. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, quantum boost it. That's another one now they have quantum boost. Is it <sighs> called quantum boost? Yeah, that's the other travel method. It's kind of like okay. quantum travel, but one tenth slower or one tenth the speed. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, though, besides all that, let's get on to the big shining. The shining prime example of uh, things that have been worked on for a while that we still haven't seen. Can anybody, can you give me a guess at what number one might be without looking at the notes I already sent you telling you what number one might be? Completed game? <laughs> Close. Squadron 42. <laughs> the old favorite. Oh, what? Oh, that's the, the single player game. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. That was actually. Yeah. Uh, Kind of has apparently something to do with Theaters of War. I don't know. They're both kind of like, what, what is that? What are you guys talking about? But yeah, Squadron 42 is, uh, for those who don't know, single player game made by CIG. Mm. And a lot of their efforts are going into making that game. They're making two games right now. The MMO, Star Citizen, and the single player game, Squadron 42. And there's a lot of controversy around this for reasons we will go over. Um shortly here but the first thing i wanted to touch on montoya was that a lot of people actually approach squadron 42 like it's an afterthought to star citizen an extra an add-on something that really shouldn't be getting that much development how do you see it considering kind of you've been around for a while and were you an original back what are you saying i'm old well how, when did you back the game 1933 definitely old <laughs> I think 2013 Okay. Yeah, so yeah, old. from the beginning. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw the Kickstarter uh, when it first came out, and I was like, "Well, I don't want to back a game from a Kickstarter because what if it fails? You lose your money." So I didn't back it. In was it 2012? I, I waited um, almost a year later to see how the Kickstarter went first, and once I saw that it went okay, and there were still funds coming in and people all hyped about it, then I came in after that. And I actually had to go back to the Kickstarter before we start this video now to uh, refresh my memory to see what they were saying about Squadron 42. And Squadron 42 was pitched, you know, like as the, uh, the f join the French Legion and fight to save humanity uh, by joining the 42nd Squadron. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was pitched in the original Kickstarter. Uh, but for me personally, I just glanced over that at the Kickstarter. I was like, ah, space game. Uh, there's going to be like a big key U type thing. And I backed. And the fact that there was Squadron 42 also was not something that I was overly, I guess, unfocused on that. That wasn't my focus. Um, so I don't know how many people now are jumping in with the, the, the picture that I'm backing Star Citizen because I'm just so excited about Squadron 42. People right now are coming in because they want to get the spaceship, they want to come in, they want to fly and shoot things and blow things up. So Squadron 42... I think for a lot of people, a lot of new backers is more of an afterthought. But for a lot of the original Kickstarter backers, it was probably one of the main reasons. Right. Could be wrong. Well, that's, that kind of brings up the whole disagreements that people have. Some people believe it just doesn't matter, and some people are, that's literally the whole reason they're here. Do you think they've done a poor job of setting those expectations for people, not really letting Star Citizen backers know what's going on with the, the game behind the game? 
Well, this comes back to how much information you want to release. Um, I, I think the idea of Squadron 42 coming out and then that being your segue into the PU is the correct way to do it. Uh, I think the great example, kind of a close example, would be GTA. Right, you play GTA story mode, you get a feel for the characters, the setting, the city. And then once you've done the story mode, you jump into the, uh, the multiplayer part of it. Well, you don't have to, but it gives the multiplayer a lot more meaning, in my opinion. Um, so definitely in the universe of Star Citizen, coming straight to the PU is cool, but it'll make so much more sense and add so much more flavor if you come in after you've played Squadron 42. <coughs> Excuse me. So I definitely think uh, I like the idea of uh, Squadron 42 being the segue into the PU. I agree with it. Um, but I guess the question also is, you know, is this worth the delays? How happy is everyone about Squadron 42 or the lack of information about Squadron 42? But again, how much do you want to know? If tomorrow they come out and go, here is a three-hour video showing you everything we have, will you rush out and watch it? I know I will, but will it be the right thing to do? <laughs> yeah. I think the, the funniest part about Squadron 42 is how it's set in the lore at a certain time. I think it's 2945 or 2946. Um, and they, they know it will take place at that time in the lore. But Star Citizen's lore continues. So now we're in 2952 going into 29... Or we're in 2953 because we're filming this in... Sorry, everybody. We're filming this before the new year. But like we're in 2953, so every year Star Citizen takes longer. We're extending the time between Squadron 42 and Star Citizen. And I wonder no, how that's going to like complicate their, their storytelling process because of that. Never considered that. I mean, they can always change it. They um, could, yeah. They could. It's yeah, easy enough. definitely will. But I mean, we are due for a vertical slice on that. It's been, what? <laughs> When's the last time we answered the call? 2016? Yeah. Uh, so... We're definitely due. So the vertical slice was a while ago, and that goes back to the, the idea. Is it an afterthought because we don't hear about it at all? Um, or is it actually super important, and that's why we don't hear about it at all? And I mean, most people, I think, know the answer to that. But what do you, like, what is, what's the reasons for this game, in your opinion? Why are they holding it to such high regard? Majority of people who are backing like my my circle of friends outside star citizen who are gamers uh don't want to back the game they go i'll they keep asking me like how's that game coming along you know every couple of years <laughs> and i go it's coming you know there's a patch and uh, you can do this and that they're not interested they want to know when the game is released right. uh, normal people will buy a game on release and then play it so majority of normal people coming into star citizen Having to go through Squadron 42 is essential because it's a complicated game. Do you know how many keys you have to push to take off from the hangar, even to get to your hangar? Like to wake up in the hab, go to the terminal, get your ship, jump on the train, take the elevator, walk through there, get onto your ship, push buttons to make this uh, call, <laughs> the comms, make them open the, the hangar doors. It's crazy. Uh, and you need a game to run you through that. Uh, at least a tutorial level in the game, right? The Squadron 42 will essentially be that tutorial for the PU. And in that sense, it is essential for that. And as I said, majority of my friends who don't back the game right now, um, it's so beneficial for them to come into Star Citizen by playing Squadron 42 first and yes. then be released in the PU after that. So I think it's an essential part, not only for the tutorial part of the game, understanding how it works, but understanding the lore understanding why some ships are cool than other ships because you come into the game right now like why is the 
uh, Esperia brand, you know, more expensive than non-alien brand. Is there a reason? Is it because it looks cooler or maybe you don't think it's cooler? Like all that will be established in the game itself uh, as you play Squadron 42. So I, I do believe it's a, an essential part of the experience. But, um, you know, obviously, where is it? We, we know Chris Roberts moved everyone to Manchester to work under one roof so he can push it out faster. But we do, like we are due a vertical slice. We are due something very, very soon because patience is running out yeah. for so many people on the yeah. topic. Yeah, it is. Um, do you think that that could be uh, just, just tying kind of understanding of Star Citizen to another game, a single-player cinematic game that a lot of MMO players wouldn't be into? you think that could be a mistake? Yeah, well, I got to speak from my opinion of it. Like, I, I think, for me, it's the right choice. Um, but I, I know, as you said, there's plenty of MMO players, especially PvP guys, who don't care. Like, here's the lore you see, the, the banner were first encountered in this year uh, through this uh, exploration. Like, no, I don't care. Like, I want to shoot things. They don't care about that at all. So there'll definitely be a segment of people who do that. Um, for me personally, I think it's a great idea. But, uh, I mean, not everyone agrees with that. Some people couldn't care less about Squadron 42. Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, and a lot of people are blaming Squadron 42 for the delays in Star Citizen itself, which is also partly true. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do think it's an essential part, an experience of the game. Uh, it's a critical part of it for me personally. Uh, it's something I will enjoy. Hopefully it doesn't suck. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it is critical in my opinion. Feel free to disagree. Five years ago, we saw the Squadron 42 vertical slice. And this was our best look at the game thus far. This is 2017, so I guess, yeah, it's about end of 2017, I believe we saw it. That's five years ago from, from here, December. Um, we have seen so much. I mean, it, the, the timeline of this game is... I can't wait to get a documentary that actually tells what went down because it's confusing. Five years ago, we saw a pretty good-looking vertical slice of a level in that game. With all of the differences in development from inventory systems to scanning to like just everything they could have done, how much do you think that vertical slice has changed since then? Do you think we're looking at a, a different kind of game? Or was did they mostly just well, work on other parts of the game and... Polish that I up. think it's safe to say that the the story, the the story they planned is initially the same, uh, but the the problems they've run into, the most obvious issue I think they've run into is essentially uh, the combat mechanics and the flight model because the flight model we saw in 2017 is very different from the flight model we see now, and so if part of your mission in Squadron 42 is jump into your Gladius and defend this carrier from attack from these ships. Uh, and the flight model was a certain way then, but now the weapons have changed, the armor penetration of ballistics have changed, the laser weapons, the shields have changed. Uh, it changes that battle, right? So instead of you battling with five NPCs, now that's three NPCs, and the who knows the effects it has. So every, the, the frustrating part of this for both us and CIG definitely is when they make a change in the PU based upon player feedback and ballistics and laser penetration and shields and that, how does that affect the game at Squadron 42? Because it's supposed to be seamless, right? <clears throat> so I, I think it's a, a dangerous um, spiral they've got into that changes that take place 
in the PU have to go into Squadron 42. And then if they change something in Squadron 42 to match the story or make some battle work out better that you're fighting in Squadron 42, that's to match your experience in the PU now. And I, I think they're stuck in this kind of loop where one change here has you know a whole bunch of trickle-down effects on other aspects of the game. Um, I feel that Squadron 42 is a big reason for the delays. That you know, changes made in the PU, they'll they'll hire someone, and we know this happens. They'll hire a dev for whatever aspect. They go, the dev will go, you've done things this way, and I feel if you do things this way, it will be better. Chris Roberts get called into a meeting. They go, damn, the guy's right. Yep. We have to make these changes, and so they make the change in the PU. But now, if we make the change in the PU, how does it affect something in Squadron Forty Two? Well, now that team has to come in and talk about it and make the change. So. I think they're stuck in this constant loop of here's how we improve things and now it's going to affect a thousand other things. So, uh, yeah, frustrating. But at the end of the day, when something does come out, I mean, we, the CitizenCon is planned. Um, if we don't see some sort of major announcement or vertical slice in CitizenCon 2023, uh, there'll be riots at Port Alisar. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll just they'll just finally take Port All Side out of the game. Yeah, that could be that too. Yes, anyway. <laughs> um, Which they will do. So you think you think it'll be like the same major hits when it comes to like the the vertical slice, for instance, uh, but things like gameplay will definitely be different. The how Squadron Forty Two affects the gameplay? The how this how the vertical slice may have changed since the last time we saw it. Well, again, the story is the same, but yeah, um, yeah the, the mechanics have changed. Flight mechanics have changed. Weapons have changed. Uh, there's can, a whole bunch of balancing. So I can imagine the, yeah. the segment when you had to turn on the lights and get the elevator running, that they would gladly tie uh, resource management into into stuff like that. Yeah, it's a, I I know that probably regret this whole idea of uh, having the single player and PU thing happening. <laughs> be connected, yeah. I think having yeah. a single player game be like a dumbed down version would have been good. It's, it is kind of crazy to try and keep feature parity between the two because mm. like Star Citizen's not a combat game. They, you know, if, if they had to start today, if they had the current engine and the current assets and go, we're going to make this game right now, they were just taking the PU and so and like put like a separate kind of arena commander mode and go here's the game mode of it and be done. Uh, but uh, I, I think the the idea was good and I think the execution has been extremely difficult. So you don't uh, think too much of it. Yeah. You don't think that Squadron is the uh, the big goal for them. You think it's Star Citizen? No, Squadron is the selling feature. Oh. Uh, again, majority of people who will be backing this game are not backing it because they're PVPers. There's a lot of PvPers who like, like the game, love it. But majority of the people who will be backing Star Citizen uh, are coming because there's exploration and there's trade. There's a thousand things to do. Keep in mind also that Bethesda's uh, Starfield is going to bring in a whole new generation of players into the whole space genre. Yep. And all these people playing Starfield are going, what's the next game I can play? Squadron 42 will be that game. So they definitely have to uh, cater to that audience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I uh, Chris loves Squadron. I don't like you. I didn't know Chris Roberts before I backed this game. I hadn't played his other games, but if there's one thing I've learned about him over the years, it's that he is a director at heart, and he loves a nice cinematic set piece. And so Squadron, in my opinion, is his magnum 
opus it's the thing that he wants to see release it's uh right. it's what star citizen is here to support so i'll be excited when we do finally see it of course there are going to be episode two and three but at least we will have that first one done which would be just huge for the company for the game to have some more validity to it uh and i think for the development because we would have a lot of just kind of a lot of i think pressure off the devs oh yeah there's definitely that they have to deliver on that and uh when we backed this game in 2013 we were coming off uh battlestar galactica Ooh. which was an awesome show that was great. and uh, we were all excited to recreate battlestar galactica in this game and chris roberts came along at the perfect time he goes yeah i'm going to give you the soul cinematic experience you know here's a bengal carrier and being attacked you know so he was the right place, the right time for that. And, you know, it's been not 10 years, but uh, a lot of us still want to see that. Mm-hmm. I still want my Battlestar Galactica experience in this uh, cinematic game, which uh, I have no doubt they can deliver, but so frustrating on the, the silence of it. You know, I can only uh, hope that we do see it the, this year. And uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. Otherwise, you've all been duped. <laughs> uh, looking at the... This is a kind of a topic we've danced around with Squadron 42, but in the grand plan of Star Citizen as a project, do you see Star Citizen taking more of the focus after that first episode of Squadron comes out? Do you think Squadron will always be kind of where they put most of their efforts? What do you think is going to happen in the next couple of years as, as hopefully we get to see Squadron 42 release? If this all pans out the way we're expecting, Squadron 42 being the launch pad into the PU itself, uh gives so much background and lore and meaning to everything you got to do so you know at some point in squadron 42 you come across an alien artifact where is the artifact from can you once you go into the pu find the origins of it like some old alien species which is extinct at some star system you know this is going to be your drive so it's definitely important um you know it's i don't say it's critical but uh, it's definitely going to be a very important aspect to all of this squadron you're saying yes yeah okay in my opinion yeah i think i think star citizen will end up being more important in the future but squadron's definitely got a a job to do right now well again it's going to come down to well that's the thing the seamless the seamless transition from squadron 42 is the single player game to the pu itself uh i don't have stats but how many people play um gta story mode versus how many people play gta online mode uh, that'll be an interesting stat to see but uh it's kind of similar in that sense you know there's the story mode and there's the online mode mm-hmm. uh which comes together so i you know I, no you're right uh, the the pu part is going to be bigger because it's just uh, once you've done that you come into it yeah, as much it's... as i i hate the delays that I, I i think it's still the right way I think it will be yeah. correct. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they both kind of need each other. But like many people say, you know, everyone is going to play Squadron 42. They'll play it once, twice, maybe three times, and then they'll put it down and go into the PU where there's yeah. always content generating itself. So it's much more Well, if it does this right, you know, it's a seamless transition over. I mean, <laughs> you collect chips, you get ranks in Squadron 42, and that carries over into the PU itself. Um, I think it's great. That would but... be cool. How long? Yeah. How long? That's the last question, you know. 
you say you really want to see something in 2023 and you think there's going to be riots if we don't um realistically <laughs> i said there'd be speaking, riots this year if, uh, in in 2022 ah. so uh <laughs> the riots haven't happened but uh look with everyone at manchester you know being moved to manchester to work under one roof and uh with the delays we've seen so far, they got to produce. We, we have to see something soon. I, don't, I keep on saying that, but uh, they do. They feel think, the pressure. I think that expansion means that they're expecting a lot of money soon. So, you know, if mm -hmm. they want to open up a thousand jobs in the area, have a new office in Manchester and Frankfurt, do something new in Texas, like they're, they're going to need an influx of cash. And I think they are banking on Squadron 42, which is, which is good. It's also a little nerve wracking, but. We'll see what happens. I think it'll happen. Uh, as I said, you know, my, my friends outside of the Star Citizen bubble will only back this game once it's out. And so Squadron 42 will be their introduction to it. I think they'll definitely see uh, enough bank from that. But, uh, I mean, they're not start struggling for money. Look at the, this year has been great. Yeah. Uh, I can only see this continuing. Uh, there will come a year where they don't make as much, but it hasn't happened yet. We'll see. Maybe it's 2023. We will see. What do you think is going to be, um, I guess, what, what are you excited to see in 2023? Like you said, your friends aren't going to come in here until the game is launched, but there are a lot of good reasons mm -hmm. to join Star Citizen for people at every single update. Do you think we're going to see anything big that really boosts the uh, visibility of this game? I this think year? Starfield. <laughs> the irony of it. Uh, Tons of Bethesda fans all dying for the next RPG from Bethesda. And when Starfield comes out and they get a taste of the space sim genre, uh, the next step up from that is Star Citizen. So I do think that uh, Starfield uh, brings a lot of attention to Star Citizen. It is so kind it of, might be another record year because of that. It is kind of... Um, it's, it's crazy how starved the game the gaming industry the market really has been of like a good first person expansive experience we get we had the uh uh outer wild or no yeah outer outer, outer worlds. worlds yeah yeah i always get confused between those two we had outer worlds which was you know i'd say like a double a game not bad mass effect andromeda didn't do very good uh starfield seems like the first to really hit that in a while and i do think yeah that will Help bring some people in. I've, have mm. you seen like the subreddit for Starfield or the questions people ask? And you're like, you might be interested in Star Citizen, but you just <laughs> wait. I'm not going to say because you know how that conversation is going to go. It's like a drug. You know, you have a little taste. Well, I have something else you might want to try over That's, here. You yeah. know? They're like, oh, like, man. All the Star Citizen backers and I've become like these uh, drug dealers for space sims. <laughs> I mean, they say things like, can you imagine like jumping out of a spaceship and flying into another one and the gravity kicks in? I'm like, my man. <laughs> really? They've been saying that? Yeah. Yeah, they'll find themselves uh, making their way to Star Citizen, which is the interesting part of it. So I'm curious to see what the funding is going to be like as a result of uh, assuming Starfield's successful. Well, look, let's be honest. It's Bethesda. The launch is going to be atrocious. The game will be buggy. People will cry and uh, say how it's ruined their lives. And then a couple of months later, everyone will be happy. So yeah, after it, that's all done, I think they'll find their way to Star Citizen. It's a single-player RPG. It won't have the exact crossover to something like Star Citizen, but I do think there's going to be a pretty decent percentage of people who are interested in finding, like oh, I yeah. said, other experiences like that, and we'll see them in Star Citizen. I'm, I'm interested. I'm excited to see that. If any of you in the future are watching this, say hi. <laughs>
Hello, future Starfield players. It's a pleasure having you. <laughs> I'm excited. We for predicted that game. this, yes. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's a good place for us to wrap things up today. Like I said, just wanted to touch on some of the bigger topics, and I think we touched on some pretty big ones here today. There's obviously plenty more we could be talking about, but uh, well, there's always another episode. Yeah, well, uh, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And uh, am I a first guest of 2023? You are. This is our first show of the new the year. The honor. Yeah. You see? Thank you. Thank you for coming Most on. Most important one right in the beginning of the year, as always. Yeah. Now give everybody <laughs> some big inspirational words to drive them through the rest of the year. All the pressure's on you. Patience is a... No, we have no patience. <laughs> <laughs> give us what we're owed, CIG. <laughs> there it is. And apply that to all parts of your life. And you will yes. find success and happiness. <laughs> Go get it. Get what you're owed. That's 2023 for you. <laughs> All right, man. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to comment on or, or mention or, or talk about before we wrap things up? I think we covered all the bases, but I just want to uh, wish you well in 2023 and all your viewers. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure being here. And uh, keep sending us more cool pictures of what's happening in Turkey and all the delicious food you eat. Absolutely. That's, uh, and uh, well, how long have you been married now? What is it? Four years. We just had Are our fourth any, anniversary. Uh, children planned anytime soon? Sorry? Any children planned? Just spaceships. Uh, that's a spirit, yes. <laughs> no kids, just ships. It'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be a little while. We wanna we wanna settle down. We're doing a lot of back and forth between Turkey and America, so we wanna make sure we're a little more settled and financially stable before we do that. But you know, well, send my regards to point. Mrs. Tomato. Thank you, and wishing we'll you the best. And before you sign off, please let everybody know where they can find your own content. Oh, so uh, if you don't know, I am Montoya. I run the largest org in Star Citizens called Test Squadron. Uh, testquarant.com is our website, our forum there, or discord.gg slash test. You want to drop by and say hello, you're more than welcome. And I hope to see you soon. Cool. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Yes, like and subscribe. Thank you again, Montoya, for joining me. And thank you, everybody. Always a pleasure, Mr. Tomato. Of course, for coming and checking this out. Supporters, thank you for sitting in live, chatting with us, asking us questions. Uh, if you guys would like to check this out live, if you're watching, watching this on your uh, on YouTube or listening on your favorite audio platform, consider supporting. It helps us a ton. It's the only income for our family and it keeps this uh, podcast ad free. So we really appreciate that. I'd like to thank you all though so much for joining me for a whole 2022. It was an amazing year. We saw tons of growth and just really great things happen this year. I'm excited to go into the next year. We're going in strong. We are ready for a good year together and a lot of exciting things I think are going to happen. So Thanks again. I hope this was a good year for you. I wish you the best next year, or I guess this year, since this is going to be in 2023. And Montoya, thank you for joining me again. Always a pleasure. Catch you next time. I will see you all next week.